You're listening to Choose, a sermon series about choices and consequences. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. Have a good Thanksgiving. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell you, you know what? There's really something else you should be thankful for. Tell them. And it's the fact that they're sitting beside you this morning, right? Amen. Amen. Hey, it is good to see you. My name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm so glad that you are with us today. You're joining us. You could be in a lot of different places, but here you are. And so I'm thankful for that. I pray God speaks to you. I pray that you enjoy your time in God's house. Uh, We are in a series that we have titled uh, Choose, Choose, and the truth of the matter is life is full of choices. When you go to a restaurant, a a fast food restaurant, you know, you you get to choose. You get to choose what uh, number combo y'all want. Everybody likes to choose, right? Uh, And then after you choose what combo you want, the people in the back who make your food get to choose whether or not they're going to make your food the right way, right? Uh, it's really, that's really how it is. I, I remember just a couple weeks ago, I, I went to a local fast food restaurant and I ordered me a chicken club sandwich, you know, but I didn't want lettuce on it and I didn't want pickles on it. So I said, no lettuce and no pickles. I hate, I hate pickles. And I know some of y'all are like, man, pickles are good. No, they're not. They're terrible. Okay. They're gross. Uh, so I said, I don't want any lettuce. I don't want any pickle. And so I finally get my food. And when I open up that nice little cardboard box, you know, that this chicken club sandwich is in there, uh, you know what I see? I see lettuce hanging out of the bun, hanging out of the bun. And so then I'm like, well, that's no big deal. I can just pull the lettuce off of my sandwich, you know. So I take the bun off, and guess what else I see? Pickles. You say, well, why don't you just take the pickles off? Because pickle juice contaminates your cheese. It contaminates the bacon. It contaminates the bun and the chicken. I mean, it messes it all up. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe I'm not seeing this right. So I close the box again, and they got the receipt you know, taped to it. And it clearly says, hey, no pickles, no lettuce. And so I open the box again thinking, you know, something's going to change, like some kind of magic trick, you know. Uh, But there it is. It is still messed up, still messed up. And so I'm sitting here going, why? Why would they do that to me? And I think it's because they chose to purposely mess up my order. But seriously, life really is full of choices. And today, you and I are the sum total of all the choices we have made in the past. Who you're going to be tomorrow and what you're going to be able to do tomorrow really is going to be based off or dependent upon the choices that you are making today. Our choices matter. And so during this series, what we're doing is we're talking about some very specific choices that you and I need to make, some very specific choices that are going to help you and I along in life. And so last week, we talked about how we need to choose purpose over popularity. We need to choose God's purpose for our life over being comfortable. We need to choose God's purpose for our life over and above everything else that we might be tempted to choose for ourselves. And today, we're going to talk about a very important topic, and that is that you and I need to choose prayer over panic. We need to choose prayer over panic panic. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives or delivers what's the most famous sermon that's ever been preached. He preaches what you and I know as the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what's interesting about his teaching is that his teaching was different from all the other religious leaders of his day. And and I want you to see what what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn there. If not, the words will be on the screen. But here's what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says, 
This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life. Now, let me stop for just a second, and I want you to be honest. How many of y'all would just admit that from time to time you worry about your life? Yep, if you're not raising your hand, you're a liar, okay? I think that we all, I think we all, at points in our life, we tend to worry about our life. And that brings me to the first thing that I want you to see this morning, and that is this. You and I are distressed by our worries. We are distressed by our worries. Our, wor- our worries really do distress us. They, they mess us up. Now, how many of y'all, again, you just say, you know, from time to time, you worry, you worry, you worry, you worry, just me, a couple of us, just me, you worry, you worry, you worry. Uh, well, here's the deal. Christmas is coming up, and I know that that's a, wor- a time of worry for a whole lot of people. Some people worry about where they're going to get money to buy Christmas presents. Anybody ever worried that? Some people worry about, man, I'm going to have to go to my family's house, and I'm going to have to see some of my family. How many of y'all got some family you just really don't look forward to seeing? You know what I mean? You worry about it. Man, I know what they're going to say. I know what they're going to do. So we worry about Christmas. Then uh, there are a lot of people like me who worry about Christmas decorations. Anybody else, you worry about Christmas decorations? Dude, I hate Christmas decorations. I hate you say, man, you're a pastor. You're supposed to love Christmas. I I love Christmas, but I hate Christmas decorations. And the reason why is because you have to spend all this time putting the decorations up and making sure everything's perfect. And then when you finally get finished, guess what you got to do? You got to take them right back down, right back down. So, I mean, I love Christmas, but I really hate I really hate Christmas decorations. And some people are like, I can't believe that. Well, bah humbug. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Um, and so, but, but have you ever had a day, you know, where you just really worried that nothing was going to go right? I mean, and maybe it started off where it was just bad. A couple weeks ago, uh, week four last, actually, I was buying uh, toys for Operation uh, Christmas Child, uh, the church with the church sponsored one of those uh, one of those boxes. So here's the deal. I want to thank you guys for giving to that because the church did meet their goal. Uh, but because of your giving, we were able to put together 36 additional boxes. And so that's amazing. Uh, and so I said, I'm going to go to Dollar Tree and I'm going to pick up some coloring books. I'm going to pick up some crayons. I'm going to pick up little odds and ends for these boxes that we're putting together. And so I go to Dollar Tree and I get a buggy. And you know, they give you those miniature buggies. You know what I mean? They're not like a real buggy. And so I fill that buggy up with all kinds of stuff. And the line is already long. And so I get in line. And so then there's all these people who get in line behind me. And so I can tell that they're looking at me and my full buggy of stuff. And they're kind of like, what in the world is going on here? You know? And so anyway, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe I should let the person behind me go. But then I'm like, nah, because if I do that, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to let the next person go, the next person go, the next person go. So I'm going to hold my ground. I'm just going to stay here. And so I get to the line. And so I put all the stuff up there on the conveyor belt. And they can't like scan the quantity. They have to scan each, each item individually. You know, and so look, I spent 240 something dollars at Dollar Tree. That's over, that's 240 items. So, boop, boop, boop. And the people behind me, man, I really thought they were going to riot. You know what I'm saying? Oh, there's, what is going on? And I'm like, it's for the kids, man. It's for the kids, you know? And so anyway, they finally get done. They finally get done ringing up all those items. And so I pull out the church credit card and I go to swipe it. And guess what? Decline. Man, I just, I really thought the people behind me were mad just at the boop, boop, but they're going, they're going to have to do this all over again. So I was like, there's got to be a mistake. I try the card again. Guess what? Decline. I was like, let me blow on it. Like the old Nintendo cartridge. 
And then I put it in there, and it's still declining. It's still declining, so I have to call the bank. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, what's going on? They're like, well, it's the Christmas time. We're just checking for fraudulent activity. So they say, we're going to unfreeze your card. You should be good to go. I said, good. So I run the card. Good job. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, I'm fixing to go to the Dollar Tree across town because I need to pick up a couple more items. And so they say, okay, you shouldn't have any issues. So I go to the Dollar Tree over there by Walmart, and I go in there, and I pick up some odds and ends. You know what I mean? And so I pick up over 100 items. And so again, the same thing, this whole buggy. People at Dollar Tree are like, what is this guy doing? And so I go through the line. Over 100 items, over 100 items. Again, I go to, I go, pull out that church credit card. I swipe it. Guess what happens? Decline. Decline. So I call the bank, you know what I mean? And I laugh. I have a fake laugh with them. <laughs> Thanks so much for being cautious, you know what I'm saying? But this is ridiculous. And so uh, anyway, they say, well, you shouldn't have any more issues. I say, good, because I'm going to Walmart. I'm going right next door to get soap, and I'm going to get wash racks. They say, okay. And so I go. They're, they're making notes on my account is what they tell me. So I go to Walmart, and I get wash racks. I get soap. Uh, you know, and then when you, I don't know how many of y'all know this about Walmart, but it's crazy. They have over 30 aisles or registers, and there's only one open. So I wait in line. I finally get all that stuff. I go through there. I swipe that card. Guess what? Decline. Dude, I'm going, could anything else go wrong today? So I go out. I finally get everything straight. I go out to my truck and this is not a lie, but there are three vultures hanging out around my car. I'm sitting here going, dude, is this like a, is this a sign that things are about to get much worse? Cause they're like, you know what I mean? I don't know what they were really saying, but man, I was, I was worried. I was worried. I'm thinking what can go wrong next? And the truth of the matter is we all have days like that. We, we have days where we worry about all sorts of things and our worry leads to panic. Our worry causes us to be distressed. And so Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verse 25, he says, don't worry about your life what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus says that you and I have a choice, and that choice that you and I have to make is whether or not we are going to worry or let things go. And so what you and I need to understand is that if Jesus is going to tell us not to worry, do you think that Jesus is going to tell us to do something that you and I are not capable of Doing, I just can't imagine that, that God would ask us to do something we can't do. Because here's what 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says about God. It says that God is love. God is love. Would a loving God, again, ask us to do something that we're just not capable of doing? What kind of loving parent would ask their child to do something that is impossible for them to do? Jesus says, don't worry about your life. He says this, look at the birds of the sky in verse 26. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? I remember back in the day, there was a rapper named Skilo and he had a song that said, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. Anybody remember that song? Just me. Okay, well, what Jesus is saying here, man, is that you cannot add a single inch 
to your, to your height, to how tall you are by your worry. You can't add a single day to your life by worry. And so Pastor Tommy preached about this just a couple of weeks ago, and he reminded us that worry is a lot like a rocking chair, right? It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. It gets you nowhere. Jesus says, your heavenly father, he says, your heavenly father takes care of the birds of the sky and the flowers of the field. And he loves you way more than he loves birds. And he loves you way more than he loves flowers. He will take care of you is what Jesus is saying. Look at verse 28. He says, why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. And if, and if that's how God loves the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. Do you see what Jesus does there? Jesus ties our worry back to a lack of faith. A lack of faith. That's what he ties it it back to. And so let me ask you a couple questions that you and I really need to believe about God if we're not going to worry. The first question is this. Is God good? Yes, he's good. Psalm 136 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. So God is good. And let me ask you another question. Is God great? Yes, he's great. God is great. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. So God is good. God is great. And the third question you and I need to ask ourselves is, is God love? Is God loving? And of course, the answer to that question is yes. John 3, 16 says, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God is great. God is good. And God is loving. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us. He loves us so much that he chose to give us his best. Jesus Christ loves us so much that he came to this earth and laid down his life to save us. I promise you that if you are a child of God, God is going to make sure that you have exactly what you need. He's going to make sure that you are taken care of. Jesus says in verse 31 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, so don't Worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Verse 32, for the idolaters eagerly seek all these things. Whoa, 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 whoa. You see what Jesus just said? Jesus just said that the idolaters worry about all those things. The idolaters worry about all those things. The idolaters let those types of things consume their faults. They, they are concerned with those things. And I don't know about you, but I ain't trying to be no idolater. I'm not. I, I don't want to be an idolater, and you should not either. And so if we don't want to be idolaters, Jesus says, don't worry. Verse 32, for the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Jesus says that your heavenly father knows what you need. He knows what I need, and he will provide. So don't get, though, what Jesus says here twisted. 
Jesus is not saying that here on earth, you and I are going to have a mansion. He's not. He's not saying that here on earth, you and I are going to have a luxury car. He's not saying that here on earth, you and I are going to have a 1993 Ford Mustang Cobra. That's not what he is saying. He is saying that God will give you everything that you need. So don't worry because our worry distresses us. Our worry messes us up. So if we're not supposed to choose worry, what is it that we're supposed to choose, Robert? I'm glad you asked because that's the next thing I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see is that we might be distressed by our worries, but we de-stress by prayer. We de-stress by prayer. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I like guarantees. I like guarantees, but we live in a world in which there aren't really many guarantees. You know, we like to buy products that, are, that, are, that have something called a warranty. Anybody know what a warranty is? And so usually when we buy something, it's backed by a warranty, but it's not like a, a real warranty. It says this is backed by our limited lifetime warranty. You know what that means? They're trying to tell you, we want you to feel confidence in this product, but really, we're not guaranteeing anything. That's what a limited warranty really means. There aren't many guarantees in this world. People will make promises to you. You will make promises to people. And guess what will happen the very next day? You will break that promise. People will break their promise with you. There aren't many guarantees. People share wedding vows, and they say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, I love you forever. But 50% of marriages end in divorce. What happened to the guarantee? Again, in life, there aren't many guarantees. But look at what Jesus says in this passage. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus makes a promise. Jesus makes a guarantee. He says, if you will seek the kingdom of God, and if you will seek his righteousness, all these things that we just talked about, what to wear, what to eat, all the things that you need will be provided for you. You say, well, Robert, I just don't know that I can trust that. I've had way too many promises that have been broken to me in my life. Too many people have made guarantees, and they haven't followed through with him. So why should I believe what Jesus says here? Why? Well, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says this, it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. God is not a liar. He's not. God cannot lie. You say, can God do anything? He can do anything but lie. God is making promises to you and to me Every day, and I'm here to tell you today that if God says an elephant is going to lay an egg, you better go get a skillet, and it better be a big one. You know what I mean? Because God doesn't lie. You know who lies? The enemy. The devil lies. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, that, that the devil, he is, he is a liar and the father of all Lies. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says about the devil, a thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. When someone tries to tell you that anything other than God can give you what you really need, that's a lie. It's a lie because only God can give you what you need. I want you to see what James chapter 1, verse 17 says. Watch this. It says, every. Everybody say, every. 
Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Jesus says if we seek the kingdom of God, he says if we seek his righteousness, that God is going to give us the things that we need. This is a guarantee. So how? How do we seek the kingdom of God? How do we seek his righteousness? We do it through prayer. We do it through prayer. Prayer is so powerful. It is. It's a very powerful tool, but so many Christians simply don't do it. They don't. Again, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. How many of y'all have like a prayer before you eat the Thanksgiving meal? You know, and so usually what happens sometimes before those things is that somebody say, okay, who wants to pray? And then what does everybody do? If I don't make eye contact, maybe they won't ask me to do it. You know what I'm saying? That's what we do. We say things like, man, I, I just, I can't pray. I can't pray. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Well, I want you to know that that's what the devil wants you to believe. The devil wants you to believe that you can't pray. In fact, he wants you to believe three lies about your prayers. And I, they're not going to be on the screen, but if you want to write them down, I think they'll help you. The first lie that the devil wants you to believe about your prayers is that your prayer isn't deep enough. He wants you to say, well, I just can't pray because my prayer is not deep enough. It's not, it's not, it's not deep enough. Man, man, so I, I'm just not going to say it. Well, here's the deal. I got three kids. I got three kids. I got Brianna Grace, Sadie Kate, and I got a three-month-old named Lawson Cruz. And so uh, I don't know what, you know, he's three months old now, and he's at that stage where he's cooing and cawing. You know, he's making all this noise. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? He's just making all this, all this noise. And so him and I had these long conversations, you know. So I'll be like, you love your daddy, don't you? I was like, yeah, you do. And I'm like, you think your daddy's so funny, don't you? And then I'm like, man, he's like, dad, you're the best ever. That's what that means, you know what I mean? Translated. But I mean, because but I, I, I know what babies are saying, you know what I mean? And so I'll have these long conversations with him. I really, I really will. And so when he's looking at me, making all those noises, you know what I don't do? I don't say, son, don't talk to me until you can use big words. I don't say, son, don't talk to me until you can use complete sentences. I don't say, son, don't talk to me until you sound a little bit smarter. I don't say any of that. When my little girl said, dada, man, I was excited. I was pumped up. If you're a father, you know how excited that can be. All they had to do was say, dada. And I'm here to tell you today, don't you dare think that your prayers aren't long enough or deep enough. Because when you just say, father, you've got God's attentions. When you say, heavenly father, loving father, he hears you. All you got to do is say, Dad. That's all you got to do. See, here's what I want you to see. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus says, therefore you should pray like this, our Father in heaven. Heavenly Father. Loving Father. Again, don't you dare believe that lie from Satan that your prayer is not deep enough. You pray. You choose to pray you seek the Father. You seek God. You pray without ceasing. So that's the first lie the enemy wants you to believe about your prayer, though. So it's not deep enough. The next lie he wants you to believe about your prayer is that your prayer is not long enough. That it's not long enough. 
How many of y'all have ever really honestly said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be a better prayer. I'm going to pray all night. Anybody ever said they're going to do that? I'm going to pray all night. Just me, a couple of people. Maybe I'm going to pray for an hour. Anybody say something like that? 30 minutes, 15, come on now. You're supposed to pray a little bit, okay? So, so we'll say, man, I'm going to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a prayer warrior. And so we say, man, I'm going to pray. And so we start praying, and we're praying, and we're praying, and we're believing, man. We're having faith. We're praying. We're praying, and we're praying, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. We feel like, man, I've been praying forever. And so you look at your clock, and it's only been 45 seconds. Man, it happens. And so we think, man, I'm not going to pray because my prayer is just not long enough, you know? That's what the devil wants you to believe. But here's what I want you to understand is that it's not the length of your prayer that makes the difference. It's the strength of your prayer. It's the faith behind that prayer that matters. I'm going to prove it to you that it doesn't take a long prayer to make something change. See, one time the disciples are out in a boat they're out on a boat, man, and, man, this storm comes on, and it's the middle of the night. So they're kind of worried, man. We don't know what's going on. And so they look back behind them, and you know what they see? They see Jesus walking on the water to them. Jesus isn't coming up beside them on a boat. He is walking on the water. And so they're freaking out, which is what you and I would have been doing. I mean, look, probably I can imagine the lightning striking, his shadow casting on those water. Probably looked like the Terminator or something like that. And they're going, oh, my goodness, what is happening there? They're starting to row faster, but Jesus, Jesus sees them panicking. He says, hey, 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 calm down, man. It's okay. It's me. It's me. And you would think that that would have kind of gave them some assurance, but it obviously doesn't. They're still worried. But Pete says, old Peter says this. He says, you know, what if it's you? Maybe I should come to you. So look what he says in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. It says this, but uh, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me, come to you on the water. And so, you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, come. Now, if I was Peter, this would have been the point where I said, I just kidding. Jesus, you come and get in the boat with us, you know. <laughs> I ain't trying to walk on the water. And so, but Peter's like, okay, I'm going to do it. So he, he climbs out of that boat, man, and he's, he's walking on water. It's amazing. What? Look at me. <laughs> and then he sees these waves, and he sees this wind. And you know what? He starts to panic. He gets distressed. He starts to panic. He starts to sink. Look at verse 30. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. What was Peter's prayer? Three words. Lord, save me. Was it long? No. Was it effective? Yes. Because can you imagine what would have happened if Peter would have said, man, I'm about to impress God with my deep prayer. I'm about to impress God with my long prayer. He'd have drowned. He'd have died. It wasn't a long prayer. It was three words. All he said was, Lord, save me. And watch what happens. This is the best part. Matthew 14, verse 31 says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him. Your prayer doesn't have to be long. Don't believe that lie from Satan. Don't believe that. That if your prayers aren't deep enough and your prayers aren't long enough, you simply shouldn't do it. I want you to know your Father in heaven hears you. You have faith. And so the last lie that Satan wants you to believe about your prayers is, you know, they're not deep enough. They're not long enough. But the next one is this. They're not intense enough. They're not intense enough. 
So New Year's is coming up. How many of y'all planning on going to a gym, getting, getting you some, just, I need to, man. I'm, th- I'm praying about it, okay? So, you know what I mean? But, but a lot of people are going to make those New Year's resolutions. We're going to go get in the gym. We're going to work out. going to get in shape. Lose that Thanksgiving turkey pound and all this other good stuff. That's what we're thinking. But so I remember the very first time that I ever joined a gym. I remember the very first time I was in college and I joined a gym. And so I'd never really been around people who, like, are always, you know, working out. I mean, I'd done stuff, uh, you know, in, in the neighborhood at people's houses, you know, bench and press and stuff like that. But so I joined this, I joined this gym. And so I'm over there, you know, running, running on the treadmill. And I see this guy over here in front of this window. And he's doing these, the mirror and he's doing these squats. And he's, ah! man, I, this is no lie. I thought he needed help. I was like, hey, man, are you okay? And he looks at me like I'm weird. I was like, dude, I'm not weird. You're the one over here. I, I literally thought he was dying. But have y'all ever seen those people in the gym? They're bench pressing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? On the, on the treadmill. And they're sweating and they're in front of the mirrors and they're, I about ripped my shirt right there. Y'all saw? Anyway, I can't do that. But anyway, they're flexing and stuff like that. They're flexing, they're flexing, and there's just sweat pouring, and they're intense, they're intense. Y'all know that there are people who are like that in their prayer life? Really? They'll scream, and they'll, they'll get intense. That veins will be popping out just like they're in the gym. God, we just believe, and they're so loud, and they're so intense, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not. But if you don't pray like that, That's okay, because God doesn't want you to be somebody other than you, and you're his child, and all he wants for you to do is to speak to him. Jesus never says, pray deep. He never says, pray long. He, He doesn't say, pray with intensity, but he says, when you pray, he says, pray your heavenly father. And so he goes on to say in verse 10, after you've, after you've prayed, Father, then you say, your kingdom come, Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, is, what, is that, what does that mean? What does it mean to pray, your kingdom come? Well, here's the deal. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but it doesn't matter who wins a football game. It doesn't. We should probably be praying for Alabama fans right now. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who wins a football game. I was on Facebook yesterday during the game, and I saw somebody post, God, we need a miracle right now. I'm sitting there going, God doesn't care. (laughs) He doesn't care about who wins a football game. He doesn't. It, It doesn't matter if your kid makes it to the big leagues, or if your kid makes it on this specific sports team. It doesn't matter. See, when we pray about God's kingdom, what that's actually doing is we're saying, God, help me not to worry about all the other stuff that I'm worried about, and help me focus on you and your kingdom coming to this earth. That's what that means. By praying, God, your will be done, what we're actually saying is, God, what are you wanting to accomplish today? Use me to help that become a reality. God, what do you want to accomplish in me 
and through me. God, may your will be done today. So we pray, our Father. We pray in his name. Then we pray for his kingdom and his will to come. And after we've done that, then we say, God, give us. We say, God, give us our daily bread. Have you ever wondered why Jesus says, pray, God, give us our daily bread? You can read about it in the Old Testament. See, the Israelites, after they had escaped from Egypt, they, they needed bread. They needed food to survive. And so what God does is, is God sends heavenly bread. He sends manna to them every morning. They just walk outside, and there it is. And God says, hey, collect what you need for one day. Because, see, if, if they would have gathered enough for the next day, for the next day, you know what would have happened to that bread? It would have rotted. It'd be filled with worms. It'd be filled with maggots and stuff like that. It'd be gross. So why in the world, though, would they even try to gather enough bread for the next day? Why? Well, it's because they were worried. They were worried. They would say, well, God's meeting our needs today, but what if he doesn't meet our needs tomorrow? Maybe I need to prepare for that. God met my need today, but he might not do it tomorrow. And so God says, don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. Because our worry for tomorrow will ruin today. And look how Jesus concludes his teaching on worry. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, he says again, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, I'm wrapping up. But Jesus says that you and I have a choice. We can choose worry, which will cause distress. Or we can pray, which will cause us to de-stress. See, at the end of the service today, if we had two tables set up in the foyer there, we had a worry table, we had a table where you could go sign up and worry. Man, if you sign up here, we promise you're going you're gonna to have high blood pressure. You're, you're just going to worry. You're not going to sleep good. We just want you to sign up after church today. It's going to be great. I don't imagine many people would be lined up saying, hey, honey, come on, we're going to sign me and the whole family up. Come on over here. I don't think many people would do that. But if there was a table out there where you could go to sign up for a peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, where you could go and sign up where, hey, if you sign up here, all of your needs are going to be met each and every day. I can't help but think that the line to sign up at that table would be long because that's what we all want, right? We want our needs to be taken care of. That's what we want. Well, Jesus says that that kind of life where you're not worried, where all your needs are going to be met, he says that kind of life is possible. And you don't have to sign up Stand in line to get that. All you have to do is pray.
All you have to do is seek first the kingdom of God. Focus on that, Jesus says. And Jesus says, I guarantee that if you'll do that, that God will meet all of your needs. See, it's about reprioritizing our life. So today, the question that you and I need to be asking ourselves is, which one are we going to choose? Are we going to choose to worry, which leads to panic? Or will we choose prayer, which leads to peace? Because prayer, again, is the only choice that's going to give us a true peace. So let's pray. Father, today, I just want to ask that you would help each and every one of us to truly have faith in you. Faith that you are a good God, that you are a great God, that you are a loving God who is more than capable of providing everything that we need. Every head bowed still, I'm going to ask a question. Maybe you're here today and you know that you're just weighed down by a lot of things in life. You've been trying to live on your own and make things work out on your own, and it's just not working. And today you'd say, you know what? I want to trust God. Well, let me tell you that before you can really trust God to to meet your needs, you're going to have to see him as your heavenly father and as your savior. And so if you're here today and you know you're not saved, you know you need God to come in, to cleanse your heart, give you a new heart, to give you a new life so that you can start over right now as his child. If you know that's you today, I'm going to ask that you just pray. Father, today, I confess all my sins. I need you, Lord. And I ask that today you would save me. Father, I pray that you would help me to understand that you truly are a good God, a great God, and a loving God. Father, I confess you as Lord. I surrender to you. Help me to follow you every day of my life. Again, nobody's looking around, but if you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask right where you are that you lift your hand because I just want to know that God's moving. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you today for everything that you do for us. Father, we just moved out of a period of our life where we are supposed to be thankful. And a lot of times we move right from that time of thanksgiving to a time of worry. So give each and every one of us a peace today as we seek your kingdom. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.